0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of CI Diaries, sponsored by Wayside
1: Publishing. My name is Christy Placido. And I'm Carrie Toth, and we are going to talk about comprehensible questions and how we use comprehensible questions to engage our students in classroom discussion. So mm-hmm. Christy, how do you use comprehensible questions to start discussion in your classroom?
0: Well, so I first of all, I think this is something that you can do from day one of level one. You can be teaching in the target language. Um, There are some little tricks to keeping it comprehensible, which we're going to share with you. Um, But in level one, I start out and I actually do this in level two as well. Um, I start out with something that you you may have heard of called card talk. I know, Carrie, you use the same technique in your classes. And with cartuck what I have my students do, I give them a, an index card and I ask them to draw a picture of something that they are very interested in. And I just tell them it can't be sleeping and it has to be school appropriate. So they draw whatever activity that they like on their card and um then I just take the stack of cards and every day I'll just go through a few of those cards and I'll ask the students comprehensible questions about whatever it is that they've said that they're, that they're interested in. Um, I, I use discussion quite frequently. So, I mean, it could be personalized types of discussion like hard talk, or it could be anything that we happen to be talking about or reading about no matter what.
1: We, yes, we do card talk too. And it's nice because you can adapt that then at each level. We do the same as you, something that they're interested in at level one. Mm -hmm. And at level two, we talk about what happened, anything that happened over the summer. It doesn't have to be a vacation. It can be anything they did over the summer. In level three, we talk about three goals that they have for the school year. Uh, We left this year because we had a student Uh, who said that he was only going to miss two days of school all year long that was his goal and I kind of laughed. I thought that was a strange goal to have, but uh, come to find out, I mean, he missed about 50 days this school year. <laughs> I thought, well, his goal went straight out the window, but, um, apparently it was a very lofty goal mm-hmm. for him when he set it at the beginning of the school year. And in level four, we use the conditional to set mm-hmm. our kind of savings goals. If I were to save this much money, I would spend it on this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it lets you cultivate different kinds of grammatical things that you would like to work on with Mm -hmm. your students, but still getting to know them better. Um, I feel like it gives you a chance to use these comprehensible questions to cultivate that community that we like to have in our language classroom.
0: Totally. I agree. And I think um, like for me, card talk is such an easy way to get started. So if you're a teacher who's kind of new to ADI and you're looking for a way to just kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit, An activity like hard talk is a really like low pressure activity. It's something you can do. You can just focus on one student each day until you've gone through the entire class. So it's just really low pressure, low stress. There's no real expectation for what the outcome is going to be. So it's a really good way to just kind of try it out.
1: I agree. And it, it gives you kind of an ease back into the school year, because yeah. it, it really does take about six days of the beginning of the school year to get to know everybody in the classroom and to let them get to know each other um, as you're getting back yeah. in. As you move forward from that for my level ones, we try to let level one be, you know, we want them to be as immersed as possible in language from the beginning. And we find that narrative is the best way to do that. We want it to feel kind of effortless and we want as many to stay enrolled throughout our program as possible. And so uh, we've chosen to do that through different types of stories. So whether it be reading readers or um, doing clip chats, movie talks, picture talks, um, telling stories, um, we we do those different things with questioning techniques. And so Mm -hmm. we ask them different types of questions through our stories at yeah. the very beginning levels and even into level two. Um, and we try to work in stories that dip them into different cultural types of experiences, different, um, eating experiences and different, um, travel experiences mm-hmm. that they might have. And, um, in different speakers, uh, visitors to our classroom that, um, you know, guest speakers Mm -hmm. that can come in and just share like a little snippet of uh, life in their own country. And so um, we just want to expose them to the beauty of these Mm -hmm. countries where the language is spoken so that they'll develop their own love of the language so that they'll want to continue on. So um, having them learn language through asking questions to them, but keeping them comprehensible. How do you how do you do that in your lower and then in your upper levels?
0: so everything builds as we know everything builds on everything else that we do so i I think it's actually way easier to do this in an upper level class Um, the upper levels are kind of where it's not even as much about teaching the language as it is just about what what new thing can we discuss today or what new thing can we learn about today but in the in the beginning if, you, if you're able to lay that foundation of this is what we do in this class, we speak Spanish, um, that's just going to be what they expect for the rest of their time as a language student. So yeah, in the beginning is when there are some kind of tricks to being able to make your questions comprehensible. One of the things that we've already kind of touched on is talking about topics that are already familiar to the students. So like with card talk, we're talking about the students themselves. Mm-hmm. So we're using very familiar topics, things that they already can relate to. Um, they they don't really have to do much visualizing to imagine, you know, Jordan likes to eat pizza or, you know, Alyssa likes to skateboard. You know, those are things that are really part of their daily lives that they can easily envision. Um, another thing that I think is um, something that is a super helpful tool, but it's also something you have to approach with a tiny bit of caution. I use a lot of cognates in my discussions and I, I, I do always um, mention cognates with a caveat, Not every word that we think is a cognate is also cognate to our students. (laughs) So you do still have to kind of be looking for that blank look of not comprehending because they don't always get it just because it's a cognate. So those are two things that I find to be extremely helpful with I even
1: found this year irony, ironia. Um, I, in a junior level class, I, we read the word ironia and I, they they looked blankly at me and i said it's it's irony and sometimes and they, they, were they can like,
0: sometimes they don't hear it but if you write the cognate what is that yeah if you write the cognate but, on but, the board but they still
1: after they knew what oh <laughs> after they knew right? what it was we had you know like a couple of kids were like really you yeah. guys don't know what irony is we had that come up <laughs> recently had to...
0: we had that come up recently with the word prudente <laughs> they did not know the word Prudent in English either, <laughs> so it's like okay if it's a cognate, but it's not part of their vocabulary. That is also not a cognate. I was at a all, little so.
1: shocked about the uh, about the irony being a but, but they you know they just. It's the end of the year, so maybe, yeah. maybe they just, they knew irony and they had just forgotten. They maybe heard. they just weren't listening or something. <laughs> I won't tell their English teacher. that. <laughs> <laughs> the second class came in and they, they knew what irony was, yeah. but the first yeah. group of Spanish
0: three was a little little lost on yeah. that. Yeah, so you do have to be a little cautious with cognates, but, and then another thing, kind of a tangent to cognates is using proper nouns in your discussion, mm-hmm. so if you're if you're dealing with really really beginning early beginning students, um, you know maybe instead of instead of teaching them the word store, um, maybe just saying Walmart or H and M or whatever. Maybe store isn't really like a word that you're targeting that day that they need to be learning, but you want to talk about buying something. That's just kind of a, a little way of cheating. Um, Not having to introduce a new vocabulary word, but still getting the, the point across. So that's another little trick.
1: And then as you get up into the upper levels, you can work in... Grammar targets as chunks mm-hmm. into your questions. We were just this last week. We're working on a healthcare unit, and one of the things that I really want to expose them to is subjunctive mm-hmm. in context because they need to get that that mood mm-hmm. into their ear. Um, and so we've been well, what do you recommend that he take? And so I've been trying to ask them a lot of questions with the subjunctive as the stem Mm -hmm. of the question and giving them either or choices right. to begin the unit, because at the end of the unit, I'd really like them to be producing their own answers and their own statements using these subjunctive structures that I'm trying to, right. to work into our conversations now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think you can say it enough. If you are teaching for acquisition, you've got to front load with the input before you can expect students to output. Um so yeah, if they've not heard those subjunctive phrases enough times and heard them in logical contexts, there that's going to be impossible for them to produce. So, and I and I would also just add to that, it's okay to use the subjunctive even in a level 1 or 2 class. I mean, we don't have to just okay. suddenly start using the subjunctive. It's just that we're not going to be expecting a level 1 or 2 student to produce that, that grammar structure, um, and they might produce that grammar structure, you know, just randomly because it's something that they've heard. So um, it we don't, we don't shelter grammar. Um, we, we make it comprehensible. So and then I, I thought That's of one other one. thing that I think is really valuable for teachers in terms of um, making everything very comprehensible from the beginning. And, and I know you do this too, Carrie is using your wall space um, to provide basic information that you're going to need during your discussion. So for me, a big one is question word posters. Um, and then another one that I have on my wall is I have a big poster of all the numbers written out and how, how to say each number. And if if I'm saying a number and they're not understanding me, I can point to that poster and give them a little a little extra support. So I do a lot of pause point to my poster and then start talking again
1: and i think sometimes people think it's silly to keep the question word posters up but those question words are so close mm-hmm. in the way that they look and sound i've taken i can't tell you how many german classes at different conferences and I cannot get my German yeah. question words straight. yeah. I just don't know why, but I can't get them straight. So having the German question words posted on the wall mm-hmm. helps me if I don't if I don't understand the question word, I struggle to be able to understand what's being asked of me. And so I notice that there are students right away that understand what I'm asking, but I also have students that look up at the question word and then as soon as they see what, that word means they can answer back just fine. Mm -hmm. So I I don't see the harm in having them posted. And so I do keep them up all year long. I do too.
0: uh, And honestly, once students have acquired those question words, they are not still looking at the question posters. So,
1: you know, it's only the ones that really need the scaffold.
0: And, you know, to me, for them to have that little aid in understanding the rest of what the discussion is, uh, that's not really problematic for me. And they will eventually acquire those question words because they're th- that's something that I'm using every single day in class. So it's not as though they're never going to acquire the question words just because I have them written, written down somewhere.
1: So another thing that I have on my wall is um, some rejoinder mm-hmm. phrases. Yes. And I like having those because they give students something to reply back at a at the beginning levels, it gives them something like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. or I didn't know, or you don't say. Yeah. Um, whenever I've asked a question and somebody has answered it, it gives them something to answer back. So it almost makes a conversation out of whatever we're talking mm-hmm. about in the classroom and gives them a little a little word to add on at the end. So there are ways to use, and I, la- I have in those rejoinders, you're right, you're wrong, mm-hmm. and I agree and I disagree. Because when you do take the questions a little further into a class discussion, a lot of times students will say, well, I can't answer because so-and-so took my answer. Right. But to build a really good discussion, you can then say oh well christy's right because and then if they can just give a little reason why christy right. is right man they are getting deep into using their target language to explain why like to give a rationale mm-hmm. as to why Christie's right now we're into some solid intermediate language wow. and so Um, you know, we've used our questions, we're getting a really good discussion going. So we're building, that's where the depth comes in. If you can ask good questions and then provide them the tools that they need to answer and to answer with depth.
0: And I also think just speaking in general can create a lot of anxiety for students. So if they feel supported, it definitely will lower their anxiety level and lower that effective filter so that they are able to just focus on the topic at hand and not so much on all their inner turmoil of having to speak. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I thought And I tell people a lot of times at oh, no, sorry it's okay. to interrupt you. I tell people a lot of times at conferences and I I don't know if this is you know an embarrassment to admit or not. Um, I give on speaking grades if a student completes the assignment on the speaking grade and completes it to, you know, Whatever I've asked Mm -hmm. them to do, if I've, you know, given them the assignment and they've completed it, I give them the full credit because what we've seen in the data is that our students' national averages that students in a four-year program are scoring around the intermediate low to Mm mid-range. And so my students, when they perform on their speaking in class, they're performing at that level, um, you know, when they're doing the tasks I ask them to do. So, you know, I at that intermediate mid to low level they still make mistakes i shouldn't be looking at them for grammatical correctness and stuff because intermediate mids and lows are not Mm -hmm. grammatically correct um that's advanced low that they start to have any kind of grammatical correctness so um so i just they automatically as long as they have done this and done what i asked them to do you know completed Mm -hmm. it they get the full credit on a speaking assessment. And so that kind of lowers their effective filter too, to know that if I if I participate in this and I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm gonna get full credit. Then, you know, we can all kind of relax and just have fun yeah. talking to each other.
0: Yeah, and isn't that a nice way to end a school year having fun, right? <laughs> it is. So <laughs> I, I was thinking, um for people who are new to this whole concept of ADI, I am so sorry.
1: That's my phone. Um, so <laughs> somebody really wants. To talk I to you. Um,
0: was thinking that it might be helpful to just talk about what are some of the types of questions that you can ask students, and then what do you do if you ask a question and you're not getting a response, or you can just see that they're not understanding. You know how do you handle that so so what are some of the types of questions that can be asked of students
1: well i think at the most basic level you have the either or choice when you and and I, I say at the most basic level, but that doesn't mean it is only for level one, because even at level three and four, when you're bringing in new content or when, like I said, with this Spanish three unit, you know, we're doing some subjunctive verbs. So I'm presenting a new a new structure that they don't know how to work with yet and manipulate yet so I need to give them some either or choices until they've internalized and acquired this structure. So I would begin with some either or choices and then you can move out into letting them have some more control over the variables. so, I guess you go through the who, what, when, where, why, how. Right. Um, when you get up into the hows and the whys, then they're creating with language. And so that's how you scaffold for those mm-hmm. superstar students. If you ask them which of these two, then that's kind of for your, you know, that's the scaffold where anybody in the class right. can get this you know everybody that's paying attention right now can get this but when you get up to the the whys and the house then this is where your really star students are going to be able to shine and they're going to be able to give you the big productive answers right. on those and How well about and you? i would also
0: just add on to what you're saying if let's say you are teaching a level one class and you want to ask them a why question but it's going to be probably more than they can handle what if you were to give them some different possibilities? Like, you know, why do you think, and you could like list some different possibilities for them and then let them choose from the different options that you're giving them. So there's always ways to kind of back it up, make it a little more comprehensible. And, and the same thing, if you ask a question of a student and they're just like blank stare, just try giving them two choices. And it takes the pressure off them too because yes. they kind of know you're gonna like swoop in and you're never gonna just like leave them with their blank stare and their silence in yeah <laughs> you're always gonna kind of come in and and rescue them and then another th- question type that uh you didn't mention but i i know you do this but one that i love to do and i think this is especially fun in in the lower level classes too um, ask a question that's kind of off the wall and like the answer is going to be like, obviously not. Um, but just ask them kind of like a silly question that the, the answer clearly no. But then if they giggle at that, then you know they understood you because it's going to be a silly question to them. So that it's fun to just kind of keep them on their toes a little bit and just throw something like that at them every, every now and then.
1: It's a good comprehension check because if they do laugh, you know that they're following and tracking what you're saying. And if nobody laughs, you know. Right. (laughs) Off the
0: rails. (laughs) And then I would also say, too, um, it's it's a good idea uh, to after you get the answer back from the student to kind of just recast that answer back to the class and then by repeating the answer that the student gave and modeling it in totally correct language, um, you're validating the student who gave the answer. And at the same time, you're giving the students another repetition of whatever the information was that you were talking about. And you're probably giving them a repetition of some language structures that you're maybe trying to get them to have a little bit more experience with as well. So, um, yeah.
1: And And getting multiple, you know, if if Christy answers and Carrie answers, and you say, "Well, you know, class, let's vote. Do you think what mm-hmm. Christy said or what Carrie said is the, you know, best choice? So you really can get just a lot of great language input as you go through and ask a lot of questions about the things that you're reading or that you've been discussing in the classroom and it can be anything it could be an authentic piece mm-hmm. that you're reading it could be a topic that you're studying you know you could be studying ocean plastics you could be studying it could be a, a story that you told about you know a hammerhead yeah. shark that swim through your classroom. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be deep. It could be deep. It could be literally anything that you're asking these, these questions about. Um, Your goal is just to have language flowing through the classroom that is helping keep the students engaged and also acquired. And I would
0: just say, no matter what time of year it is, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's the end of the school year for us. But it's never it's never too early and it's never too late to try having a comprehensible conversation with your students using comprehensible questions. So we hope that you will try this and we also hope that you'll connect with us and let us know what what other questions do you have? Did did something that we said bring up another question in your mind we'd love to hear from you so reach out to us by email on twitter on instagram on facebook we would love to hear from you and to those of you that have already reached out keep it coming we love we love feedback so uh keep it coming please
1: Yes. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And we hope to see you soon. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode Have five. a great day. Bye.